Hey readers, welcome to the Brantford Public Library's Juice Box Book Talks. I'm Leanna. And I'm Laura. We are two library-loving techs working in the Child and Youth Programming Department with a passion for children's literature. And this is a place to discover new and exciting book recommendations for kids. In each episode, we discuss a book we've read together as a buddy read, and then we choose a variety of titles for different ages based upon specific themes. We will explore books, spoiler-free, available at the library in print and digital form, which include picture books, junior fiction, and graphic novels. So find your favorite book nook, get comfy, and let's get started! Hi listeners, welcome to the very first Juicebox Book Talks recorded in library. Together. 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 With a fancy microphone. We're feeling professional. Uh-huh. We're feeling ready to discuss some wonderful books. Today we are following our theme of spring into reading because it is a gorgeous spring day as we record. And we have some new books we want to discuss. Absolutely. Lots of great new books have come out in the last like four months here in the building and published like there's been so many great new books. So it's really good. Great opportunity for us to like highlight some books that we like so far. Absolutely. So why don't we jump right in, as always, with our buddy read. Mm-hmm. This month, we chose the wonderful book Umar Rising by Aisha Saeed. Now, you may have heard of her. She has another book called Amal Unbound. Mm -hmm. And I guess um, to preface our talk about this book, I should mention that this book is not a sequel to Amal. It's more of a companion. So we have a lot of the same characters in Amal, but it's a totally separate story. So you can pick this up as a standalone or you can go back and read Amal and then read it whatever you like. So, Umar Rising, what is it about? So, this is set in Pakistan. It's a contemporary middle grade fiction. And here is our setup. Umar knows his scholarship to Ghalib Academy Boarding School is a game changer, providing him, the son of a servant, with an opportunity to improve his station in life. He can't wait to experience all the school has to offer, especially science club, and hopefully the soccer team. But when he arrives, his hopes are dashed. First-year scholarship students aren't allowed to join clubs or teams. And not only that, they have to earn their keep doing menial chores, like working in the laundry room and the kitchen. At first, Omar is dejected. But then he gets angry when he learns something even worse. The school deliberately weeds out kids like him by requiring them to get significantly higher grades than other kids who can pay tuition, making it nearly impossible for scholarship students to graduate. It's a good thing that in his favorite class, he's learned the importance of being stubbornly optimistic, which is a wonderful theme throughout this whole story. Mm -hmm. So with the help of his tight-knit new group of friends and with the threat of expulsion looming over him, Umar sets out to do what seems impossible, change a rigged system. All right. So this is like social justice at its core. Laura, why do you think this makes a wonderful addition to any middle grade reader's library? Well, to me, I mean, like, it's like an age old story, right? Like, there's the haves and the have nots. And I feel like, um, like kids is certainly maybe don't notice it when they're younger, but certainly as you get older, you'll notice those things. And I mean, this is different altogether because it's different expectations being put on different classes of kids. And I, I don't know, like, the whole idea of, well, you know, you have to work harder because you don't have the money to be here, yet you have the intelligence is just 
yeah, it's absurd. And I'm, I'm going to love this book because it is a story of hope. It's a story of camaraderie. It's a story of like kids coming together and, you know, putting those biases aside and looking for their similarities as opposed to their differences, right? Which I, I really like. So, yeah. You think getting into the school is the biggest challenge. And I right. think there's such immense celebration at the beginning of the story because he's, Umar is a, the child of a servant. Like mm-hmm. he's coming from absolutely nothing. So him, he's worked so hard just to get in. And once he's in, it's like obstacle after obstacle right. after obstacle. And it's like, yeah. wait a minute, like I'm, I'm just as worthy to be here, if not more than some of the kids right. that represent, you know, more wealth in in their community. And yeah, it's just so great that he has to grow up. Like he grows up quite quickly in the story and he's able to show that resilience and courage and bravery. Like not only is he leaving behind his friends and friends and family, right? Just going to this boarding school. He's like He's, he's just faced with so, so many challenges and he's able to like overcome those. It's, it's, it's a great, it's a great story. It is. It's, um, I mean, I love that you can like, it just teaches kids you have to advocate for yourself. Like that's a big thing that, you know, we're always saying like to our kids at home and stuff is that you, you have to advocate for yourself. Like ultimately you have to be able to like plant your feet and say, no, like I know this is the right thing. So yeah. Absolutely. And I love, I love how the subjects he studies start to grow. Like he thinks he's only into science and math because he likes clear answers. And then he realizes once he goes to the school that he actually enjoys art and creating. And even like something like literary, like English class is really difficult for him, but he learns to excel and work together with his friends and a couple like pivotal teachers um, who support him and help him. This is a great story. It's a great companion to Amal Unbound. That's Aisha Saeed's Umar Rising. Okay, my first middle grade pick is Forever Birchwood by Danielle Daniel. She's well-known Canadian author and illustrator. She's written one of my favorite picture books called Sometimes I Feel Like a Fox. And she currently has a new adult book out called Daughters of the Deer, which was just released this past April. So this one, Forever Birchwood, is a wonderful middle grade about a young girl named Wolf Legacy. She's growing up in Sudbury in the 1980s, which right away got me really excited because again, we're delving into some historical fiction here. And (laughs) all the 80s um, references were just like so fun and so interesting. So Sudbury, it's a mining town. It's the 1980s. She's living with her single mom and she has a very close connection with her grandmother. They're indigenous and her mother doesn't quite follow the same sort of bond with her roots as she does with her grandmother. So one of Wolf's favorite things to do is hang out with her three best friends. They're known as the Wolf Pack, which is adorable. And they hang out in Birchwood. So one day they discover that there is going to be some construction in the Birchwood area with like meaning loss of trees for development of new fancy houses. So Wolf is pretty upset by this because this is where her friends and her hang out. Right. 
And to add to that, her mother, who works in real estate, starts a relationship with Roger, who is like head of the construction company. Dun dun dun. So the whole story, you're like, is he the, is he evil? Do we like Roger? Right. He seems kind of like shifty. You know, he's interested in her mom, and because her dad is not in the picture, you know, this is like a father figure to her. So there's a little bit of resistance. So she is also 12 years old. This is like setting, um, this is taking place right at the end of summer of her grade eight year. So she's about to start high school the next year. So she's like a, she's full on tween, almost teen. And, you know, she's trying to save the Birchwood area for her and her friends. And then in doing that, she discovers something really significant to her past in the trees. So that is like a beautiful little connection to her heritage and to the story. This is a super fun glimpse into the 1980s. I will add that the strong female relationships with her best friends and then her grandmother and then her mother were like amazing and so realistic and just wonderful to read. There is a librarian who kind of acts as a bit of a superhero in the story. They actually refer to her as the ancient ancient library gatekeeper at her school and she is like she's hands down the kind of cranky older librarian who's shushing kids in the school because this is the 80s this is not this is not this is not the way libraries were in the 80s like but at the same time the girls who seek out help from the librarian because they're like where do we get information who do we help they actually go to the library before they go to the police (laughs) so like you can see how like it's just how important the library was to them this is just it's a great story again i can't say enough the 80s references to first of all landline telephones is there a reference to big nickel there was laura of course there was there was oh my god that's hilarious okay so there was also landline she gets a phone like a landline oh. telephone for a brand. And I was like picturing it like one of those see-through phones, yes. which we all wanted. Which I never got. No, I never did either. Um, there's Tiffany, like the the singer Tiffany, oh. the Golden Girls, Cagney and Lacey. All of it was just wonderful historical fiction that I think a lot of kids would get a kick out because they'd be like, what? What, what is that? What does that mean? Yeah. And and all the middle grade kids, their parents will absolutely love this story. Totally. I loved it. Definitely check it out. It is Danielle Daniels, Forever Birchwood. So my first middle grade book that I'm going to speak about actually has uh, a young girl and a single mom as well. So this is a really good, really good springboard for my book. There we go. So the book is called Operation Sisterhood by, I'm going to try really hard to get this correctly, and I worked really hard in practicing the name, Alube Misola Rude Perkovich. Now, the name alone, I was like, what, is her, what does her name mean, Alube Misola? Because it sounds so beautiful. It's a Nigerian name, and I looked it up, and it means God has brought me a gift. And I really, truly feel like, like this book is a gift. I mean, it's perfect. So it's an 11-year-old girl named Bo, and she's um, an only child with a single mom, and they live in New York City, and they've been a pair forever. They bake together. They have music connections together. They're just like two peas in a pod. But her mom uh, becomes engaged to Bill, and things change, which things will happen. Uh, they become part of an extended family and a blended family that includes sisters, more parents, and lots of animals. And they call themselves 
a patchwork family, not a blended family, a patchwork family, because they're all unique, but stitched together like a quilt. Like how beautiful is that? That's lovely. Right? So poor Bo, though, she's trying to find her place in there because she's only ever known her mom and her. And she's like where they lived before she had a cute, like a little friend who was like five years old that like was like a little brother to her. And now she's adapting to the fact that she has new sisters that she has to adapt to who are all basically the same age. So it's a lot of different adjustments and finding your place, which is hard enough as an 11 year old girl let alone moving into a like family environment where they do free schooling instead of homeschool. And yeah, it's just, it's different. Um, but I love that this family, they meet over food and they meet over music. Uh, it's just a really good book about these girls adapting, how they find connections with each other. Um, I love that Bo is a drummer and she references uh, Nandy. If you ever, if you, I, I followed Nandy over um, COVID because she's like this like nine-year-old drummer who like Dave Cole like reached out to and like she's phenomenal like she's this phenomenal musician who's like she's probably like 11 years old now but it was fantastic so I do love in this book too that she made references to New York City during COVID how like local organizations and businesses weren't staying open and how it's all about a, the book is it's not just about like this family but it's also about community and like finding your community finding your family through your community so I really loved it and I mean if you're a fan of Renee Watson or the Babysitter's Club this is a perfect book so Operation Sisterhood by Wonderful. I have one question more. Is yeah. that her debut novel? Has she's she, not. She has other She does. Children's one other. One other, I believe. I can't remember now, but I did I mean I did look it up. So I think maybe she edited like a collection of short stories as well too. Perfect. So, yeah. Definitely Great. an author to watch out for. Absolutely. Loved it. Great job. Okay. My next book is a graphic novel. This is Just Roll With It, illustrated by Veronica Agarwal and written by Lee Durfee LeBoy. Okay. This graphic novel is fantastic. Can I just interrupt? Because this cover is fantastic. Everything about this book is fantastic. I don't even think I need to talk about it. Just go read Just go read it. The colors are so good. It's it's a great graphic novel. Um, so this one does have a little piece of my heart with it because it deals... So this is a contemporary middle grade graphic novel about how dealing with anxiety and OCD can affect your everyday life. And as a mom of a young girl with anxiety, this one hit close to home, but was also very hopeful and lovely and helpful. Like I immediately gave it to my daughter. And it's something that I think if you have a young reader, a child, a granddaughter, whomever, um, that is dealing with anxiety, it's great to read something like this because they know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this young girl is Maggie and she's in, she's just starting grade six and she's dealing with anxiety and OCD. So as long as Maggie rolls the right number, nothing can go wrong, right? Maggie just wants to get through her first year of middle school, but between finding the best after school clubs, trying to make friends and avoiding the rumored monster on school grounds, she's having a tough time. So she might need a little help from her 20 sided dice. But what happens if Maggie rolls the wrong number? So Maggie carries around this little dice and before she 
does anything, talks to anyone, performs any sort of action, she thinks, can I do this? And if it's a high number, it's like, absolutely. Go through that door, walk across that hall, talk to that new girl in your class. Mm-hmm. If it's a low number, she's like, no, 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 you can't do it. You're not good enough. You got, you must avoid. It is heartbreaking. She walks into her house every day after school and she clicks on the lights four times on and off just before she's walking in and she says hello to the house. Like this is like a real issue. Yeah. She has two older sisters who are really good at school. They're they're in college and they've like when they were in school, they always did all the really hardcore kind of academic stuff. So when she's starting school, she's thinking, I need to like zone in on, on like the the important, the serious stuff. Because my parents have this expectation that I'm gonna do really well, just like my my older sister. And but she just wants to play like she loves role playing. She loves Dungeons and Dragons and she ends up perfect. She ends up joining a club which really helps her playing that game. I think it's called Cat. And she meets new friends. But then her sister starts to notice that she's acting a little odd. And then her parents intervene and they they make it their mission obviously to be parents and to help their child through this anxiety because they are like, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing if it's a little quirk, like if you're coming in and you have to turn the lights on a couple of times, but her parents recognize immediately that this is just sort of like the gateway to much bigger problems. So I highly recommend this. If there's anxiety or OCD in your family, if you know anyone who deals with overthinking that crippling fear, worry, panic, constantly thinking things over and over and over any sort of mental health issues. I highly recommend this. It's just roll with it by Veronica Agarwal and Lee Durfee Lavoy. I'm here with my emergent pick this month. There are a ton of great new um, early reader series that are coming in the library. So these are perfect level readers for your kids who are like grade one, grade two, and really just starting to, to read. Um, this one is called, it's a Blossom Readers. It's by Crabtree Publishing and they have a quite a few new um, emergent reader series that they've brought, they published this year. This one is Detective Daisy. So we have six of this book of a series in our collection. It is a level two in our early readers section of the library. And I loved it. So this one is Detective Daisy. The one I have in my hand is the mystery of the lost library books. It is by Lori Friedman and illustrated by Barbara Svetsi Zooks, which I think, I hope I got that right. Um, and these two women have paired together and they've created this, this series and a couple of other series as well that have just come in and they're fantastic. So it's great to have, um, new life in the early reader section to have some really good new emergent reader series for kids. So anyway, um, Detective Daisy is fantastic. I love it. She is known to the kids in room 202. She named Daisy, but they call her Detective Daisy because she just loves to solve a mystery. And of course, when you're in a school, something is always missing. There's always something, some mystery to solve, even at home with children. Where is this? Where is that? Or what happened to this one after that? I don't know, but Daisy, she's the one you call and she solves the problem. Because, you know, lost and found, but people look at that lost and found at the school. It's just overflowing with stuff. 
I love that this book teaches kids to think and to ask questions and not just this book, this, this whole series in general. Uh, that's one thing I feel like, you know, you say to your kids, well, where is this? Well, I don't know. Well, did you do this? Where could it be? Blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, so you, you're encouraging them to ask the questions. And I love that this book gets them to do that too. To look, think of the clues, like let's look for things, let's look for solutions. Where could it be? So it's perfect. It's 20 pages long of like really simple words, great pictures. It's perfect for the beginner reader. And especially if you have a reluctant beginner reader who just doesn't want to pick up a book, I love that it's 20 pages because it's not too much for them to do. Like before bed, if you have them read to your minute before bed, this is a perfect series to grab. I love that the publishers also put in prompts for parents. Uh, and it also has a teacher's guide. You can scan a QR code to have a, like a teacher's guide come up. It's great. So good job, Crabtree Publishing. This is awesome. This is the Detective Daisy series. And the book that I chose was the Mystery of the Lost Library book by Lori Friedman and illustrated by Barbara Sexy. Too. Wonderful cover. Awesome so the cover. Are, yeah. like totally eye-catching. Like, I, I'm glad to see art. Like, it's just, yeah. like, that will be picked up. Like, and the I can font. Help. Like, the fonts, too. I'm a big font person. Like, great, great sizes. Of course. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Okay. My next book is a bit of a left turn. I'm going to move right into high fantasy. Not just fantasy, Laura. High fantasy. High fantasy. So I should preface this by saying, if your readers aren't interested in fantasy, this is not the book for them. However, if they like Ursula Le Guin, Diana Wynne-Jones, and a little bit of Nevermore, this book is perfection. This is The Lock Eater by Zach Lauren Clark. Here is our setup. Melanie Gate is a foundling with a peculiar talent for opening the unopenable. Any lock releases at the touch of her hand. One night, her orphanage is visited by the Traveler, a gearling automaton there on behalf of his magical mistress who needs an apprentice. When Melanie is selected because of her gift, her life changes in a flash and in more ways than she knows because the Traveler is not all what he seems. But then neither is Melanie Gate. So begins our epic adventure, sparkling with magic, humor, secret identities, a stinky cat named Abraxas, fierce orphan girls, imposter boys, and a foundling and a yearling hotly pursued by the most powerful and dangerous wizards in the land. Okay, I should be perfectly honest, this is not my genre, but this book was so much fun. The world building alone was just so vivid and immersive. I I was like just transported like it was one of it's one of those books that you dive deep into and you have absolutely no idea what's going on around you it is action-packed it's incredible there's just like you just don't stop turning the pages because you're just so invested in melanie's well-being and her future you just love her she's snarky she's ambitious and the girls that are in this orphanage are probably some of the most fearless written orphans I've ever read in any book. Mm -hmm. They're so wonderful. And it's so cute how all of the foundling girls at Mary Trails, which is the name of the orphanage, or is the, how they're all named because they're given a first name and then their last name is where they were discovered. So Mel which sounds like kind of weird, right? But totally cute. There's Mary on a yeah. porch. There's Jane Alley, Agatha Chicken Coop, Sunmi Churchyard, Barute Harbor, and Helen Stables. So these characters really make for an adventurous story. Like I said, it's high fantasy. So there's tons of world building. And mm -hmm. if you like, I think you won't get bogged down because it is so immersive and it's so interesting. Certainly kept me turning the pages. 
That's Zach Lauren Clark's The Lock Eater. So I have a couple of, I think, are really perfect um, picture books to share with you because it's spring and everyone's getting out of their houses. So my first picture book that's just come out, it's a great book. It's tons of fun. It's called A Park Connects Us by Sarah Nelson and illustrated by Ellen Rooney. So I went to Sarah Nelson's website and her website says that she writes lyrical books for little readers. And it's true. This book is really, it truly is a lyrical story. I mean... You could put it to music. It's so beautiful. And then you pair it with these fantastic illustrations by Ellen Rooney. And I just love it. Um, it's just great. It, this book is a lyrical exploration of what a park means to a community. Uh, I mean, this book will resonate with everyone and, and really help you to truly appreciate just how special a park is to all ages. I mean, if you live near a park, and you have lots of kids in your neighborhood. Well, guess where they're all gravitating to? They're gravitating to the park. And especially now that spring is here, I live near a park and it's always full of kids after school and on the weekends. And I love, I love to hear the little shouts and the giggles. I love to hear the basketballs dribbling. I love to hear like if they've got, you know, their, their outdoor sticks and they're playing hockey there. It's just, I love it. It's fantastic. So the illustrations really pair well with it too. Um, they're just, they're magnificent. They're unique. I love that they're really diverse in terms of like colors of skin, people that are in it, their abilities, disabilities, whatever. And I love, I just, I don't know. I love this book. I just think the collage aspect of that Alan Rooney uses for her illustrations are fantastic. It's just, they're so captivating. And I love that there's just so much green and blue on each page and so many details just to explore on each page. You could do an I spy with each page. It's just fantastic. So that is a part connects us uh, by Sarah Nelson, illustrated by Ellen Rooney. Next, which is also kind of like a park related one. I picked this book, I picked it up at the perfect time because I picked it up in March and Leanna's on her head because she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I love, love March Madness. Like I've got my bracket. I know who's going to, I think is going to win. Okay. So we're recording the final was a couple days ago. Good job, Kansas. My Duke was I open. That's okay. It's all good. Anyway, the book is called The Legend of Gravity, A Tall Basketball Tale, written and illustrated by Charlie Palmer. Charlie Palmer's illustrations are so unique and yet distinguishable. Like you look at them and you know that, that that's Charlie Palmer. They're just amazing and like could be hung up in museums and probably are, really. They think they actually are. So um, what I love about this, it's just, it was a perfect time for me to pick up this book because I'm like, yes, evil. Anyway, what the book is about really essentially is that there are so many unsung heroes out there. I mean, I think about the, the NCAA tournament, there's like hundreds of basketball players and guess what? They're not all going to go on to be part of the NBA. They're not only going to get an NBA contract. They may not play, you know, professional basketball, but there's tons of great basketball players out there who you just maybe don't know about. You don't know, like they're not the LeBron James, they're not the Michael Jordans of the world, but there's these fantastic communities of kids playing basketball who may not do anything with their basketball career, but good for them. So this is a love letter to the local players you may see playing ball at your local basketball court. It's a perfect picture book to share with older kids. I feel like teachers could read this book um, like for grade four and up, like is it's not it's not a simple lyrical short sweet little picture book that you would share with your kindergarten students. To me, it's intended for those older kids. Um, it's a love letter to anyone who loves the sound of a basketball dribble or the sound of the backboard when the ball makes contact with it. That swoosh of the net when the ball goes through. It's just a um, it's great. What I love. So here's the story. It's 
It's the legend of Gravity. Gravity is a boy. His street name is Gravity. He's a kid looking to play basketball. He goes to the park, sees some kids playing his age. They're like, hey, what's your street name? He's like, I don't have one. Well, you're so tall. And we just watched you, like, get that ball. And it looked like you weren't going to come down when you jump. So they called him Gravity. So it's, it. just, it's great. Like, it's a perfect story about a bunch of kids in different neighborhoods playing basketball, which is what, like, it's a great thing about childhood. You just go do those things. So, yeah, like, I just, I don't know. I love this book. What else can I say about it? Like, it's beautiful illustrations. Charlie Palmer, you're a genius. And... If, if you're a basketball fan, you have to pick up this book. Like, it's just, it's just awesome. Anyway, that's The Legend of Gravity, a tall basketball tale, written and illustrated by Charlie Palmer. Yes, I like basketball, sorry. Awesome. No, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great pick. And those illustrations, again, ugh, they're so really good. up in their game with these books on the illustrations. That's like the third time we've mentioned art. Yeah. Art is important. Yeah. Totally. Great job. Thanks. Okay, so my last pick is a middle grade pick. And I should tell you right away that I kind of cheated with this one. So although we have only been discussing books published in 2022, this one was technically published in 2021, but we didn't get it at the library until the beginning of this year. So I think it's fine. And the reality... And the reason why I had to add it is because it was, it's so far one of my favorite middle grades of the year. And it is Kyle Lugoff's Too Bright to See. Now, Kyle Lugoff, I had the privilege of listening to at a library conference recently, and he was wonderful um, as a speaker, as a human. I really enjoyed what he, what he had to say and what he was bringing to the conversation. I will definitely read more by this author. So this one is really hard to set up and I won't say too much about it because I feel like even though it's contemporary fiction, there are mysterious elements and sort of like Easter eggs throughout that I feel like if I say one thing, it's going to ruin stuff that happens, you know, in the middle of the story, in the middle or at the end of the story. It's really, it's really difficult. And I was pleased to see that Kyle added an author's note at the end to answer this question for me. So when people ask him, what is that book about? This is what Kyle Lukoff, the author, says. Too bright to see. It's about a kid being haunted by the ghost of their dead uncle into figuring out something important. It's kind of a scary story and also a sad story, but with mostly a happy ending. It's about figuring out how to make friends, being who you are, and letting go of someone you love. I love this book so much. Now, there is sort of a scary but not real scary element because Bug lives in a creepy old house that may or may not be haunted with their mom. So Bug is friends with Mora. She sort of starts to lose interest in that friendship. They're really only friends because their moms are business partners. Mm -hmm. They make these cards, which is a hilarious element to the story. They make these like greeting cards together. And Bug is just trying to figure out who they are and at the same time dealing with the loss of uncle, who was a father figure, who was a best friend. It was their mom's brother. He passes away. So you sort of think that he's haunting the house and sending Bug little messages, but it's all about Bug (laughs) just figuring out who they are. One of the best parts of this story was the relationship with Bug and their mom, because the mom was so supportive 
there was like wonderful. I love seeing supportive adults in that role with the with the kids, just trying to figure out. You know, like it's hard dealing with yes. a loss, dealing with like school, and there was just so much. And I just I loved it, and I loved the creepy but not creepy elements. There's a weed, there's like a Ouija board scene, but not scary. Like it, this is not this is not horror in any like capacity. It's not scary. It's just the house, you know, as a character is that creepy house. I just love it so much, but I can't. There's just that's all I can say about it. So I really want readers to experience bugs sort of growing up and coming of age and becoming the person they're meant to be on their own terms without me spoiling it. There you go. Okay. So, if you like books like Alex Gino's George Mosa, mm-hmm. Zenobia July, even a little bit of Wonder I found uh, sprinkled in there, yeah. definitely check this out. It's Kyle Lukoff's Too Bright to See. My last real-read pick for this month is North Wind by Gary Paulson. It's actually just come out this past January 2022, and Gary Paulson unfortunately died um, in October 2021. He's a famous author who is known for his survival stories like Hatchet. Um, he's a Newbery Honor winner. Uh, and he's written these all these survival stories because basically he spent his life trying to survive, trying to adapt, trying to find his place. And so these are relatable to him as well as to lots of other people who have, you know, thousands of people who have picked up his book. So this one, um, the cover is absolutely stunning, first of all. We'll start with that. This is a story about Leaf. Leaf is a boy who's been forced to adapt to major life changes since he was a baby and he was left to be raised by strangers, basically. We meet him as he's being sent away on a, a boat, like a little raft or a boat, because a deadly plague is spreading and killing those around him. So I wondered when I was reading, I'm like, I was talking about fevers and everything. I thought, oh, like, I wonder if Wilson wrote the book during COVID. Like, well, I don't know. I couldn't find anything about it. So, but it's interesting in that sense because it's not it's not a modern tale by any sense. Um, when you read the description in the book cover, it says it was written a couple hundred. It's the face a couple hundred years ago. Sorry. So the plague is spreading and it's killing those around him. And Leaf is sent in this little boat with another child and just told go north, go north, like this 11, 12 year old kid. With another little kid, okay, off you go and just go survive. He's put on the boat, and his companion does eventually get sick, and he knows enough because he's experienced it and seen it to to know that the child's sick, and then he does pass away. So he's left on his own, left on his own, like in the wilderness on a little boat. So it's a survival story because this child, he's grown up like with strangers who were fishermen, so he knew how to. To adapt to things, he knew how to take care of himself. He knew how to provide food for himself. He knew where to find it. He knew how to source it out, which is fine. But you're on your own, and you're just a child. So he just Paulson has this beautiful way of using his words to connect us with nature. Like, and that's ultimately what the book is about. Like when I was reading it, it often reminded me of um, there's like I think it's on Discovery Channel or History Channel um, Alone. I really mm-hmm. like that series that they air. I think it's on the summers, and it's about these people who basically just left alone in the wilderness to survive and, and that's what it reminded me of so I don't know it's just it says right here you know, it's a classic survival story and that's what it is but this one instead of just being in the wilderness he's in the water like he's in the boat always looking north to find solace or find you know a safe place to be Wilson's just the way he uses his words to like explain and 
beautifully like show you things about like he was describing the orcas and the whales and the seals as they were like swimming alongside me because he's in this boat like it was just amazing like they were like integral characters in like this development of leaf right so yeah but I, there's one line that i love in the book and it says you know he had found joy and there we go like, that's our middle grade so that's about middle grade is you, you find it's all about hope and like, i love this book and it's all about trusting intuition trusting in your intuition and trusting in nature and just you know adapting and persevere like that's that's life so, yeah, that was North Wind by Gary. I wonder if that was his last book. It must have been his last book. Yeah. There's nothing else. Nothing that, that I know mm-hmm. of anyway. So, yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Okay. So, as a reminder, I guess that's it. That's, that's it. it. That's all our books. That's it. That's it for our spring recording. We hope that you pick up some of these new books and you find something mm-hmm. in your real house that you enjoy. Totally. As a reminder, we will have our juice box book talks, take and make kits available next week, which will be Tuesday, April the 12th at Maine and St. Paul. So please come pick out a kit. This month, we are doing a little art project with springs, springs, because we're springing into new books. We're also incorporating, you know, those little metal springs (laughs) into a little art project for your young readers to participate in. I hope they have fun with it. It involves a little bit of paint and springs. Thanks so much for listening today. We hope we've introduced you to some new authors and children's titles. All the books discussed today are available in print and digital format on either Overdrive or Hoopla. Please visit BrantfordLibrary.ca for more information about this podcast and other great programs. Juicebox Book Talks is a Brantford Public Library podcast developed by Leanna Flumiani. That's me. And me, Laura Gehrig. Edited by Leanna Flumiani. Music provided by Purple Planet through purple-planet.com.